This album is dedicated to all brothers and sisters. My men and my women. And yo, it's time. Put our hands together. The stories of hip-hop, of rap music, are the stories of a million MCs who inside of them the words are coming, the words they need to make sense of the world around them. The words are witty and blunt, abstract and linear, sober and fucked up. And when we decode that torrent of words, by which I mean really listen to them with our minds and our hearts open, we can understand their world better. And ours too. It's the same world. This is Rhymes and Reasons. So I'm Tall Paul. I'm a hip-hop artist from South Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm born and raised in South Minneapolis. Troy, um, I, I picked that song just because I, repl I remember sitting in my cousin's living room. I was staying, I was in foster care, and I was staying with my cousin. And I'm playing um, song. I'm playing that song, and I really liked it. I'm like 13 years old at the time, or, and I keep playing that song on the CD player. I keep hitting skip, running back, and, and writing down the words word for word. And I, I didn't like even think to use lyrics, you know what I mean, Not on a internet page or anything like that. So I sat there for hours replaying that song until I got like all the verses down to the clearest extent I think I could at the time. And I felt all pumped about it, you know what I mean? I was just like a little hip hop head, just really excited that I was writing these lyrics and then reciting them. And it got to the point where I, I was able to recite the whole song to what I thought they were saying. You know, it, it's really a hard song to understand some of what they're saying just because of their Southern slang and all that. It was the first song I ever really copied the lyrics down all the way through the track and memorized them um, to the best of my ability. It was just one of the songs that got me um, really into writing music um, so that song was big for me in that way Man, as a kid, I, I mean, it was just the whole, everything about the song. I like the uh, dude on the hook, you know, you want to be a baller, shot. I don't know, man. It's just like, it's, it was the beat, it was the hook. And then I like the way some of the different rappers on the remix swagged out, you know what I mean? Just got their different uh, dialects and you like one of them. Some of them cast verses, you can't even understand nothing they're saying, really, you know what I mean? And it was just something about that appealed to me. I can't explain it, man. It was just, 
and I, and it, and it's funny because I do get into Southern MCs too, and I have a and I have people tell me I sound like I'm from the South sometimes, and I don't know where that comes from because I don't feel like I do. You know, other people will say, "No, nah, you sound like you got a Minnesota accent," and I don't know if that's true either. You know what I mean? Because I don't know what that really sounds like, but. I like the I like the intro of the beat. You know what I mean? It's hard to explain, but it just comes in really. Uh, it just sounds like something drastic. You know what I mean? It sounds like a motion picture to me. You know, it was just dope to me. You know, I, I, that's all I can say really. It, you know, as as a 12, 13 year old kid listening to it, it was just dope to me. It just stuck out. I grew up on Bone Thugs and Harmony and Tupac, obviously Tupac and Biggie and all of that, the Loonies and all of that. It just, I guess for me, it fit that kind of mode of hip hop. Generally speaking, it was just it's catchy. You know, so. I still don't know every word, you know what I mean? But, uh, but yeah, like that one verse where you heard that heavy ass accent, you know, you can't even hear what he said. It's almost like he's doing it on purpose, you know what I mean? Bourbon and I'm swerving, man is getting hot. My last name Lemon, I'm dropping Tottenham off the light. David Taylor. Shot caller, 20 inch blades on the Impala. Caller, get lit tonight. Switzer roll tight, got spray behind. I hit the highway. Making money to flyway. That song, that, that little Troy song was something I caught on to probably when I was 12, 13. That was when I started writing. Like, like I mean, I don't think I had wrote my own lyrics at that point, but it was my first time ever completely copying somebody else's song down word for word reciting their music, you know what I mean? And I just remember being all pumped about it and calling my friend who I hadn't seen in a while and telling him about it. He was like, I don't know why you're so pumped. You could have just went on the internet and read the lyrics and copied it. <laughs> but I remember having that conversation with him and I was like, man, I'm trying to, you know, kill my excitement, you know? <laughs> Like I said, I grew up over South Side, Minneapolis, stayed with my mom pretty much until I was like seven, eight years old. And then after that, started bouncing around, living with my grandma. And there'd be times where my grandma would have a household of all her grandkids and even a couple of her own kids, you know what I mean? Like three, four generations in the household at a time. And, and that's when I was really getting hooked on hip hop. Not hooked, but I mean, that's when I was really getting exposed to it um, when I was like eight, nine years old. And I remember going to school. I went to this school called Burroughs Elementary from my grandma's house. And I, I'd be in detention or something. I, I got took out of class with some other friends. And I remember getting put in this small little office area with a few of my friends. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't remember if it was for misbehaving or what. 
but I'd sit in there and I'd just be drawing, you know what I mean? I'd sit there and draw a low rider with Snoop Dogg and, you know what I'm saying, some type of music booming out of it and stuff, you know what I mean? So. living in this small town in southern Minnesota called Redwood Falls. We moved down there for a couple years to uh, be by my older brother's dad because that's that's near the area where he was from. And that was actually the town I had. I got my first girlfriend in. I was like 10, 11 years old. And I remember being in the sixth grade and I got my first girlfriend. I was like the new kid in town and all the girls around there were crushing on me and all of that. I ended up hooking up with this girl named Elise Hempel. And she was from uh, the, the Lower Sioux Reservation, right next door to Rebel Falls, and we both went to the same school. From from my birthday that year, she got me this album, Busy Bone Heaven's Movie, and that song is on there. And I remember my older brothers would have house parties in my mom's townhouse in Redwood Falls every single Friday. It was like a ritual, you know what I mean? It was something they did every Friday night. I'd come home from school and I'd just be excited, you know, to, just just to see it, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even think, I wasn't even drinking or anything at that point, but just being around the cool crowd and the women and all of that. And they'd play these few select albums on repeat all the time. It'd be like um, DMX is dark and, dark and Hell is Hot, Busy Bone, Heaven's Movie, Twister and the Speed Not Mobsters, Mobstability, and a lot of stuff like that, you know? And, uh, and I, I'd hear these same songs and albums on repeat every single weekend. in there where he's talking about like the walking dead and you know your soul being lost and things like that and i remember uh it was shortly after that period of time me and my little brother and sister got put into foster care because my mom she uh she fell to her drug addiction you know what i mean um she she fell into that trap and we ended up getting put in the foster system because of that and I remember going through a long depression, you know, it's almost like a modern day boarding school. You know how the natives got put in boarding schools back in the 1800s or whatever, in 1900s. That's the way I think of it. You know, you're getting taken from the, the people you love and putting in with strangers who don't know nothing about your culture or nothing. So, I mean, I remember going through a hardcore depression during that time and getting pissed off at, at my mom and getting out of that, you know, but still having having those aggressions toward her, or those resentments, you know, and, and then resentments toward my dad, too, because he wasn't never around. And when he came back around, at times he tried to act like he was around, you know, trying to act like a boss or tell me what to do. And I'm like, man, you know, and I felt like my whole life, be going through everything I've gone through in life, 
putting myself in troubled situations, going to jail and things like that. I just felt like, you know, for the longest time, like, damn, I'm never going to figure this out. You know what I mean? Like, is life just going to be, you know, this roller coaster all the way through? Or am I ever going to get to a stable point where I got some type of peace of mind and know how to maintain it, you know? And, and this song made me think about that, like demons around me all the time. Like, I can't get out of this trap, you know, that, that I feel in my mind. And it reminds me of my oldest brother because he actually passed away like a year ago. Not even a year ago, it was like nine months ago he got shot and killed. And he was kind of like the uh, the one that started these house parties and all that. So it brings me back to those memories with him as well. Look at my sister siding with my baby's mammy. Like she can't stand me. Say family, be the first to turn so petty handy. Feeling me to my granny, celebrate the Grammy. Damn, who wouldn't no pen and was so perfect. All of my damn never forget the bomb. Tripping on foster homes, saying I wasn't manly. With a squad of sub, but I keep my skeletons understand me. What if I said I was molested? Would you look at me pick? But I keep on bailing and I hope I don't go to hell stressed out with with Busy Bone and just Bone Thugs in general, I was really attracted just, it was the melodic raps, you know what I mean? They're singing and rapping and, and it's fast. It was just a mixture. It was just like a melting pot of different aspects that appealed to me, you know, is they could sing, but they could rap too and they could rap fast. And like, I also got into Twister. And as far as the uh, personality goes, I mean, you know, when I listen to him rap, you know, I didn't hear the words all the time. It was most just like, I, I was just attracted to it, you know, the aggression, you know what I mean? And the singing at the same time, he could sing, but he could snap too. I, I, I like R&B, you know what I mean? I listen to R&B and I like that type of music, but at the same time, I like something that makes me feel aggressive inside or something that gets me pumped up, you know what I mean? And I honestly wasn't listening to the message of his music so much as I was just attracted to the feeling he gave. And then when I did some research on him and got to see that he had gone through foster homes or something like that, I was like, yo, that's dope, you know what I mean? And he actually made music about it, and I heard, I think I listened to that song. I can't name it now, I can't pinpoint it, but um, I was doing some research on him and I found some a song about that. I was like, oh, okay, this dude does spit with meaning, you know what I mean? It's just maybe a little hard to grasp that because he's spitting so fast. Yeah, the whole foster care situation was an interesting and new experience for me looking back on it. I mean, it was hard going through it, but it kind of made me grow up faster. It made me more uh, emotionally mature, you know what I mean? And, and more of a leader, I think, because it was like, it wasn't my older brothers that got put in foster care. I think they went through foster care too. But um, at, at this particular time, it was just me, my younger brother, who's four years younger than me, and then my little sister, who's six years younger than me. So I became like the old brother, you know what I mean? I, I became the big brother because it was us three in it together and I had to take care of them. I didn't have my older brothers to lean on. So I had to become more emotionally secure and I had to become kind of the backbone and there'd be situations where decisions had to be made like kind of fast forwarding a little bit but like maybe a couple years into our foster care experience you know 
we're staying in this uh, foster home with the, actually a black lady. And uh, she was cool, you know what I mean? But she like took us to church, you know what I mean? There's like the forced religion type thing going on there. And she'd have us out in the yard doing yard work and things like that, which honestly wasn't the worst. I mean, we could use the discipline anyway, but um, it, it just was another problem of cultures not connecting, you know what I mean? And, and there was a point in time when I, you know, th- there was two spots open in this native shelter it was called it's called on die young and it still operates but they opened up two beds and obviously being the big brother i'm like my little sister and my little brother are going to take those two beds and i'll stick here by myself you know what i mean and they went over there you know what i mean and i I got over there i think like a few months later or something but actually pretty nice you know what i mean we went down in their basement and they let us play on their nintendo 64 and things like that so we'd be down there playing mario kart or whatever it might have been smash brothers or whatever but we were only there for like a week and then they pawned us off you know what i mean like and i don't remember what the story was but they must not have wanted us there it was maybe just a temporary spot or whatever so we got put into this country family as um some town not too far from rebel falls it was just like a real country family. I think they had a farm and, you know, the guy was typical hillbilly, you know, the man of the house, he had like a trucker hat and a bald head and overalls and big ass belly, you know what I mean? And there'd be like 20, 24 packs of Mountain Dew in the garage and open gun cases in the basement and pickup trucks out in the parking lot, you know what I mean? And beat down basketball hoops and all that. So I remember we got there and, uh, There'd be things like uh, the man of the house making my little sister sit on his lap at dinner, and I felt weird about that, you know. I didn't see him doing no weird stuff or nothing like that, but just that in general kind of made me feel funny. And uh, and then me and my little brother were playing basketball on the hoop out in the driveway one day, and I shot the ball, or maybe my little brother did, and the basketball hit their grown son's pickup truck. He must have been in his early 20s at the time, but he walked out just as that happened, and he was like, you hit my truck again, I'll kill you, you know what I mean? So I started taking notes of these things, mental notes of these things, because I'm trying to get us out of there. None of us wanted to be at this house. And honestly, taking notes of things that didn't really bother me, but you know, I, I knew I could use them to get us out of there, like the open gun cases and the ammo laying around. Like it didn't bother me, you know, it was actually kind of interesting, but I'm gonna use what I can to get us out of there. It was, like I said, it was really hard. Like I cried a lot at that first week or two out there. I remember crying like, man, and being mad, you know, like my mom let this happen, you know, and being pissed off and angry, but crying at, at the same time at night when I'd go to sleep and I was alone, you know, I'd let the tears flow, you know what I mean? And, and then from there, you know, just in general, it was bouncing all over the place. You know, I'd go back to family, stay with my grandma or my auntie or my cousins or my mom, even for a period of time. And, and then I'd go back to a foster home for whatever reason or a group home and it'd just be kind of back and forth over the years. of an age I knew my mom loved me and that she was just struggling with addiction but I didn't want to understand it you know I just wouldn't I wanted to be pissed off and I wanted to be right you know what I mean I took it out on her there'd be times when I disrespect her and things like that and not proud of it you know I just well I think it's confusion you know it's like you don't know how to navigate it so you just act out on your feelings and you get mad and 
And then there's other times when you know things are going good and you're more respectful or whatever, you know. But I mean, it definitely affected my relationship with my mom and it's not like that anymore, you know. I mean, looking back, I've had my own addiction and alcohol problems and I wasn't the best father to my own son when I was, you know, new into fatherhood. So it's like, if I'm gonna judge her for that, then I gotta feel guilty for the fact that I was that way too. Um, I see the good in her now and I understand that she she was doing the best with what she could, you know. Um, she, she didn't have the best example as a mother either, you know, not, not to make excuses for her or to say that it was okay that she wasn't the best parent, but um, I'm just more understanding and forgiving nowadays and, and we have a lot better relationship, you know, like she's married and, and I, I can give her credit for the things she is doing now, you know, she works and got her own house and she, she's got her own little garden out in her backyard and all of that, you know what I mean? And takes my son out there and he'll be like, oh, I went farming with my with my grandma, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it's different now, but I mean, as a kid, you know, it's like, you think you know it all and, and you don't, and you don't understand certain things. And I understand those things now. I feel the latent effects of assimilation in a city native raised by bright light skyscrapers born with dim prospects little peace and living as a child I hid about the fact I wasn't wild like they called my ancestors imagine what it'd be to live nomadic off the land and free Instead I was full of heat like a furnace Cause I wasn't furnished with the language and traditional ways of my peeps Yeah I used to feel like I wasn't truly indigenous For me now native culture wasn't something that was super accessible I was around it sometimes but my family for the most part was assimilated I didn't grow up going to a lot of ceremonies and things like that My mom did get me exposed to those things I went to started going to sweat lodges My dad did too He took me for a summer and uh took me to my first sweat lodge and so i mean i wasn't completely detached from the culture but it just wasn't there as much as it could have been going into foster care now they got this thing called the indian child welfare act and it's supposed to be an assurance to keep native kids in foster homes that with native families you know but it's really not possible to it's not perfect you know what i mean because there aren't enough native families to foster all those kids so obviously some of us don't get protected by that it's there in place to try to set a standard for getting native kids with native families and culturally re relevant placements but ultimately you know there's just not enough native families that are fostering to be able to take all those kids in and you know me and my little brother and sister went through that you know living with those white families or even that black family you know what i mean and being in places that were foreign to us but at the same time, it was learning experiences, and I feel like ultimately you grow from whatever don't kill you, you know what I mean? But elementary school, I remember getting exposed to the Ojibwe language a little bit. There'd be this guy, Rick Greshik, who would come into our school four winds, and he'd tell traditional Ojibwe stories, use Ojibwe words in them for animals and things like that. And it was just it was cool learning those things. And then, But I mean, for the most part, I was going to schools where they didn't have that throughout the years. Sometimes, sometimes you just know.
the nigga from going under And you wonder why I pat you on your head and smile Look in your eyes and thank the Lord for my child Meanwhile, something I gotta show you and I hope you can take it Gotta leave you in the desert and I hope that you make it Gotta put you on your ass to see what it does to you So this track, DMX, I can feel it For me, this represents a transition from that uh, Demon Surround Me All The Time It's like Demon Surround Me All The Time Now it's like that was like my childhood and teenage years and even adulthood just being lost. But then, you know, I can feel it coming in the year tonight. And then I've been waiting for this moment all my life. All this struggle that I went through in my life was a test. You know what I mean? It was just building me up for this, where I'm at now. I'm, I didn't see that when I was going through it, but now I'm here and I can see it looking back in retrospect, like all these things that I went through in my life just made me stronger and made me more prepared for what's what's ahead of me, you know? And now I've got this uh, connection, whatever you want to call it, you know what I mean? I call it many things. It could be God or the creator or a higher power, whatever, you know? It don't really matter to me what I call it, honestly. It's just something out there that I believe in personally, you know? Um, with this song, that's what it represents. It represents how I found myself this past year. Need you going up and down? What have you been proving? Just that you a fucking clown. Been seen through the bullshit, but never spoke on it. Cause I know that deep down you really don't want it. I was traded the chance of being a child with a father. For a talent, being able to survive when it's harder. My balance and the high beams of life keep my dreams in strife. That's why I hit these motherfucking streets at night. Come on! Like I said, in 2015, I went through a real big change. You know, some things happened in my life. My older brother died. I ended, I experienced the ending of a um, long-term relationship with my ex-girlfriend, you know what I mean? So there were some different heartbreaks that happened in 2015. It really put me through a lot, you know what I mean? And it really tested my spirit. I got to a point where I was just beat to the ground and I was like, I, I gave up, you know what I mean? I just kind of gave up trying to make things work how I wanted to work. I was like, man, I got to do something that I've never done before. If I want to get out of this depression and this cycle of depression, falling into the same traps, you know what I mean? Because me and my son's mom fell apart because of my selfishness and then me and this last girlfriend that I was with for a few years almost fell apart because of my selfish actions and things like that and I'm and I finally started to see that you know and then my brother died and it was just like a real a lot happening in 2015 and it put me through that turning point where it was like I got a choice to make you know I can keep going down this road and keep repeating this cycle and being the person I am or I can try to make some changes to myself because I finally realized that I'm the problem you know I'm the one constant thing you know what I mean I keep changing what's outside of me but I've yet to try to change what's inside of me and you know that's where life brought me and that's what this song represents you know I've been waiting for this moment all my life yeah so uh DMX, Darkman X, man, it's, it's, it's man, it's, I think it's kind of like Busy Bomb. I mean, he's a well-documented nutcase, you know what I mean? So I think I just relate to that. I like dark beats. I like dark music. I like music with substance that talks about these things. He's got this relatability with dogs, and he's always doing that dog bark and talking about how his best friend is a dog, and you know what I mean? And I can relate to that, too, because I, I grew up isolating a lot, you know what I mean? And 
not my whole life, but I mean, after the whole foster care thing and moving around all the time, I think I went to like almost 30 different schools and I was just bouncing around all the time and I became more isolated and quiet. It's like, uh, I become friends with my thoughts, you know what I mean? It's almost becoming friends with your thoughts. And I feel like DMX is that same way where he's just this dark and deep dude where he's really connected with his thoughts and he's close to his thoughts. And he's also, I mean, obviously a drug addict and things like that. And I've been, I've had those struggles myself. I don't know, man, like to me, me musically, DMX has had some very dope albums. Um, it's Dark and Hell is Hot, definitely my favorite. Lord, we're just starting. When the funds are low, the guns will blow Looking for that one that oh, make them run that dough No, put down the guns and write a new rhyme You'll get it all in due time You'll do fine, just have faith cause you mine And when you shine, it's gonna be a sight to behold So don't fight to behold or lose sight when it's cold See that light down the road, it's gonna guide you there Two sets of footprints, I was right beside you there what, what about the So I was about six years sober and... And when I first got sober, I was forced into sobriety, you know what I mean? Like I had to go to meetings and get court cards signed and all of that, but then I stuck with it. But for the majority of those six years, I wasn't going to no type of meetings or anything, getting any type of support. So, I mean, it's like a year ago when all this went down and I'm like, man, I want to get back to these meetings and I want to get back to these uh, spiritual support systems, you know, because I, I realized that sobriety ain't so much about sobriety as it is about finding some type of spirituality to connect with you know because you can be sober for years and years and still be an asshole you know what i mean you know you can be sober and actually live a spiritual life and uh, become somebody that you didn't realize you could become you know and, and I, I became that in some ways and i can still be an asshole i ain't gonna front like if, if if i fall out of my habits my daily habits that i do to maintain my spirituality i notice right away you know the, the change that happens in my head and in my mind, like I'll go from being content to being an asshole. And when all this happened last year, it brought me to that point where I was willing to try something. So I got back to these meetings and I started doing the things that were suggested in these meetings in order to attain that spiritual foundation where I could be happy in my sobriety and not be just sober and dry, you know what I mean? Like just a dry drunk, basically. So when I when I first got sober, like I said, I was forced to, and and I, I didn't necessarily want to. I knew I needed to, but then I stuck with it because I realized my life was better after staying sober. Had a few relapses or whatever, but I, I was going to these meetings and I wasn't really contributing nothing. I was going to these meetings to take. I was going to these meetings to learn. You know what I mean? I wasn't going to teach. I wasn't going to try to help somebody else. I was going to help myself. And I thought I believed in God. I thought I believed in a higher power of some sort, but I didn't really believe with conviction because I didn't have an understanding that I needed. I was trying to make myself believe in God by coming up with concepts of a God that worked for me, you know what I mean? Trying to fit God to my liking, basically. I was trying to mold God how I wanted God to be. And when it didn't work out, I'd be like, oh, you know, fuck God. Like, all right, I can do this on my own. I don't need God. I don't believe in God anyway, you know? So I went back and forth through the struggle of believing, thinking I believed and then not believing because it didn't work for me enough. 
that wasn't making me peaceful enough or happy enough. So then I stopped going to these meetings for the next four years. And then, you know, like I said, all this stuff last year happened and I went back to these meetings. And the change that occurred was when I went back to these meetings, I started trying to contribute to these meetings. I started trying to do more than I had ever had done before. Because I knew what I did before didn't work for me, you know, like just going to these meetings and sitting in the back of the room and just listening and bouncing and not talking to nobody or not going out to eat with people later or anything like that. Um, not getting to know the people in these meetings. It just wasn't helping me, you know, that's what I did in the past. I was really isolated. So last year, you know, what changed was I went back to these meetings. I got to know people. Basically, I go to these meetings and I try to contribute, you know, I try to talk about my experience in sobriety and what has helped me to not only stay sober but to get peace of mind or some type of stability in my mind you know what I mean then I started doing the things suggested such as inventory writing about right writing about these issues I've had like resentments and picking them apart and finding out where my mistakes were and then seeing seeing myself in the people I was judging like yo I judged these people for doing this but then when I write about my mistakes, I've done that too. So if I judge them, then I gotta feel guilty because it's not really them that I'm judging, it's the action I'm judging, you know what I mean? Like, okay, the act of not being a present father is what I was judging, and I was judging my dad on that action because he wasn't present. Then on the other reverse end of that, I gotta feel guilty for not being a present father for my son because for the first couple years of my son's life, I just I was there physically not even all the time in that way, but like as an actual presence, I wasn't there for my son. I'd be in jail sometimes. I'd be off getting drunk and stuff, leaving his mom at home to take care of him. And, I, and it's like the first couple years of his life was, a lot of it was almost blank to me because I was just getting high and drunk all the time. You know what I mean? And it was the same with my mom, you know, judging her for not being the best parent. Well, I ain't the best parent, you know what I mean? Judging the cops for beating up people or killing people was like shit. I was out there beating people up and robbing people when I when I felt like I needed something, you know what I mean? Like me and my homies, we'd be bored as hell, want something to drink or want something to smoke and not have no money or cigarettes in our pocket or nothing. So we get desperate, go break into a store or go beat somebody up. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, okay, so I'm just like these cops. You know, how can I judge How can I judge others when I'm doing the same actions? And through that process, I learned everybody I judge, I'm only judging them for things that I've done because I wouldn't recognize it in them if I didn't have an experience it with myself. You know what I mean? A lot of this stuff, I judge it because I'm familiar with it and I'm familiar with it because I've done it. So it's, it's like I'm trying to place my guilt out on somebody else because I don't want to identify with it. But anyway, yeah, these are different things that I've done that have gotten me to know myself better and that have gotten me to find God. And I don't even have like a actual concept of what God is. I just know that when I do these things, it puts me in connection with it. Spirits. They said at my court appearance, now I'm probation, no relation till they gave me clearance. How can I now achieve a proper high without a bottle? Without a blunt, without a pill, without a hollow model. Without 2K, without 2K, I would fun, they'd say. Suppose I'll behave till I'm the pissing for the magistrate. Until one day I reap the benefits of what was sown. 
three months old, but now I'm only using microphones. And so I'm clean and truly thinking, finally got it made. But after critically examining, sip the minute made. Not only did I not have Junior, I growth to show. Man, I'm still chilling with my goonies, got myself to loathe. But I ain't know, so I played the game and chased the lady. Not knowing I was only searching for a babe to save me. Still a self inflicted victim of my false beliefs. I quit the drinks plus the greed. I must be healthy, man. I'm crazy. Even with Going the through this phase has kind of put a hamper on my music because I am more conscious. I try to be more conscious of what I'm writing now. Like, am I writing music? Am I making music that speaks to my new knowledge? You know what I mean? Am, am I speaking on my new knowledge or am I, am I still talking about the same things I did before this? But yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to bring this stuff out in my music, and I'm just kind of going through a transition, transitional phase with that too. You know what I mean? The music process has slowed down because of it, because I'm being more careful and not as careless about what I write and what I say. Like I feel like words carry more weight to me now that I have this knowledge, and it's like I don't want to be a blind preacher. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to. I got a voice, you know what I'm saying? I, I have the potential to be a voice for people and there are people who look up to me and admire my music. So if I'm gonna have all these people following me, I need to be careful about what I'm saying and what messages I'm spreading. Like, do I myself believe in these messages and do I feel like these messages are the truth? You know, that's where I'm at. And uh, I'm trying to get better at putting the truth out into the universe as opposed to a short-sighted, you know, thoughtless phrase, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can think deeper about what I'm saying and really, do I believe in this or am I just saying this because it'll get, because a lot of people agree with it and it'll make them like my music more It was 3 a.m., my little bro asked, are you up, Paul? Concerned and half awake, I thought, well, fuck him up now. He sniffled and says, sit up, bro, because you're about to come down. I thought they probably got in a fight and asked him what was up. He said, me and Marcus came up north to make a couple bucks. Our work shift ended and we split apart for 15 minutes. When I came back to where we split, I seen a scary image. There was a crowd around the body and I got kind of rowdy. I saw it was Marcus, so I pushed them all around from around me. I said, what happened? Hip-hop matters to me because it's a vehicle for education and enlightenment. I can take this knowledge that I learned in my life and I can share it with others. And I found out that that's my function in life. My function is to be of service to others and to lend my knowledge to others. So that's why hip hop's important to me because it gives me that microphone and that stage and that spotlight. As a person who is more enlightened now than I was before, not like I said, I'm not a saint, but I can teach people things now, and that's why hip hop's important to me, and I enjoy it. You know, just, I enjoy it. Why they testing my gangster? These spirits testing my gangster. Why they testing my gangster? These spirits testing my gangster. Why they testing my gangster? These spirits testing my gangster. Why they testing my gangster? These spirits testing my gangster. Gangster, these spirits testing my gangster. Why they testing my gangster? These spirits testing my gangster. Why they testing my gangster? These spirits testing my gangster. Why they testing my gangster? These spirits testing my gangster.